0: Welcome to Betting the Bulls, brought to you by Saturday Football. We've got Chris Marler from Saturday Football Uncensored. Sports betting expert Bob Wankel from Sports Betting Dime and Crossing Broad. Uh, Sports Betting Dime and Crossing Broad are owned by our parent company, XL Media. And we've got myself, Conor Guerra from Saturday Down South Podcast. Fellas, bowl season, talking about even more meaningful games today.
1: How are we doing? Good, man. It's good to be back. That was a a long first episode. Yeah. Look.
0: (laughs) 22 you know, games.
1: It's not, it has nothing to do with you. It's just 22 games.
0: I can't even count to 22. So the fact that we made it through all those bowl games, uh, a lot of great insights, by the way, on our first episode, which you can listen to now available on a variety of platforms. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Saturday on South on YouTube. You can listen to this on Saturday Football Uncensored. You can listen to Saturday down South podcast. We are all over the place. Uh, hopefully this, this finds you well during this holiday season, Bob, how are we feeling about the confidence level of these four games that we're going to talk about today? Cause we're going to be focusing on the non-playoff New Year six bowls with Ole Miss Penn state, Missouri, Ohio state, Liberty, Oregon, and Georgia, Florida state. Are you feeling good overall as someone that would like to be able to make the people
2: some money? I think so. I, I at least think we have some good information to consider. And, you know, it's like the disclaimer that we put on the first episode. There's just so many different moving parts, opt-outs, uh, opt uh, you know, the transfer port, Like The whole thing is just a mess, right? But I think that we still have some some fundamental information here that we can work off of. And it's, it's funny, as we're recording this, we've gotten into the bowl season a little bit. There's already been some crazy twists and turns. That old Dominion game that we just watched was absolutely <laughs> absurd. So th- that game, like, if you want the disclaimer, like, I don't even know that we need to do 1-800-GAMBLER. I think, like, turn on the old Dominion game, watch that, and that's your disclaimer for bowl season.
0: That was that incredible. Exactly. It, look, if, if bowl season is going to give us drama like that, you can throw all the opt-outs, transfer portal stuff, uh, whatever. We'll take it. It's still going to be entertaining football. Absolutely here for that. So this is how, how we're going to do things today. We're going to do pick against the spread or if it's just a line that you do not really like whatsoever, you want to tease it down, however you would approach it, that's totally fine. We're going to give some thoughts on maybe how to approach this game from a confidence pool standpoint, which those things are really fluid. Thank goodness they're very fluid throughout bowl season as we learn new information and stuff. And we are also going to be talking hopefully about as many props as possible. And I realize that Bob and Chris, you guys have – tried to do the Lord's work and find the, the, the most juicy props for these games. As of this recording, there are a lot that are not available. Marler's showing his piece of paper with all of his notes with his above average penmanship. Um, so we will get to all of those as well and just talk about the ones that are interesting. But a reminder before we start, you must be 21 years or older to gamble. Please gamble responsibly and within your limits. If you need assistance, please call 1 800 522 4700. Guys, let's start with the Cotton Bowl. Number nine, Mizzou, is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite against number seven, Ohio State. That game being played on Friday, December 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Mizzou being a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Gosh, that feels, Bob, that feels really, really telling that Mizzou is the favorite in this
2: one. A little bit, yes, Uh, but we didn't start there. Ohio State actually opened this game as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Uh, so we've got a nine-point swing going into this, and I know a lot of people like to bet off of that line movement, and if you do, this is about as uh, dramatic and drastic of line movement as you're going to see during this bowl season, Um, but there is a reason behind it, and if you guys want to dig into that, we we can in a minute here.
0: Yeah, that's – You're exactly right. Look, there there is uh, very clearly one team that feels like this is their Super Bowl and another team that has played in bigger bowl games. And this one will probably not move the needle in the same sort of way. And it's the line has has reflected that the Mizzou defense might be a little bit banged up, but could actually be getting healthier in certain spots if they get hopper back. But they are favored because they should be relatively close to full strength, whereas Ohio State, we know they're going to be without Kyle McCord. He hit the portal. He's off to Syracuse. They have a bunch of other transfer portal guys as well. Kind of TBD is at this recording on guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson. Devin Brown is expected to be the starter for Ohio State, so a bit of an unknown there it feels like Vegas isn't even trying to sell us, oh, well, it's still Ohio State, and they still have more talent. They're like, ah, yeah, you know, actually, you know what? Mizzou probably deserves to be the favorite or for, for this one. Are we sure that Ohio State at full strength is even better than Mizzou? I don't know. A question worth asking, but Marler, what are your thoughts as, as you've seen this line move now to, to favor Mizzou by two and a half?
1: I, I'm, like, beaming on this one. There's not a game when all the bowls came out Right. There's not a game that I think that, that I didn't have any kind of, you know, um, like anything emotionally invested into, I'll say, um, that stood out more to me than this one. Because I think that like this, this has it feels almost like a group of five versus power five matchup. And Mizzou fans, where you get mad at me, just hear me out here. It's like I think that there's so much that could be a program builder, a massive, massive win um, and in a really, really good spot for Mizzou. And it just so happens that Mizzou is a Power 5 team that is one of the, I think, top 10 teams in the country and has been all year. Um, a nine-point swing on on the the line. Like, I would have loved to jump in there at, at, at Mizzou plus six and a half. Um, I just thought from the beginning, I, this is one of my favorite uh, potential spots for a team like in the SEC, especially like Mizzou, because it's a team that's been underrated all year. They just – they refuse to be respected. It, it, it's like a, a – like a substitute teacher, I feel like. It's, they just refuse to respect Mizzou every single year especially in the SEC. I love this spot for them. I think they are in a really, really good spot. And I think betters are in a really good spot too, to make some money off of them. Bob, is there any world in which
0: you could talk yourself into taking the, the two and a half for, for Ohio State, or is it just too impossible to ignore line movement that drastic?
2: Yeah, I think that you certainly have to consider the line movement element of this. Um, If you're like trying to dig into trends or just something to latch onto to play Ohio State, Missouri does struggle uh, typically in bowl games. They struggle in December to cover in general. Uh, four and 16 going back to 1992 against the spread Missouri is. Uh, So, I mean, like you can look at it and say, well, program historically, there's not a lot of confidence there, but I do think that this is a different year and a unique situation. One that really favors Missouri. Um, You know, they were good against the number all year, eight and four against the spread. And like Chris said, I I think that this is a situation where you can really do something from a program perspective and going in and winning this game. So I think situationally, it sets up very well for them. And I do think that they've sort of been undervalued and to a degree disrespected. Like, I'll even tell you, like, I bet the game back November 11th, Missouri, Tennessee. I like Tennessee going into that game. I thought Tennessee was going to drop 40 points on Missouri that day. And, I mean, Missouri dominated. The 36-7, to seven, it was non-competitive from the jump. It was one of those games where immediately, five minutes in, you're like, I've made a horrible mistake. And, and Missouri has kind of been able to do that to teams and opponents all year. So I, I look at this, and I'll, I'll give you one more. You talk about historical, uh, you know, trends and data. Ohio State's 2-12 and 12 all-time in bowl games against the SEC. Uh, I hate, it again, Bob. I, I hate Ohio state in this game. Uh, I love Missouri. So I'm very much with Chris on this.
0: Yeah. And Mizzou is, is also, if you, if you look at the schedule and the way that it's played out, played with every team on that schedule and the most talented teams on their schedule, they covered against Georgia. Didn't win that game lost by nine. They of Tennessee, as you just mentioned. And then the game against LSU, they should have actually covered in that one, if not for a backdoor cover by LSU with the pick six late. So any argument that Mizzou is uh, sitting there just like, hey, you know what? There's a reason why they're kind of in this spot where they're only a slight favorite. No, no, they've actually hung with very talented teams uh, and, and have looked like a much different Mizzou team that we've seen throughout most of the playoff era with the exception of that first year when they won the SEC East. Marler, I know you love that first half. You love that. Can you drop that stat for us? Because I feel like I've been as all in on the Mizzou thing for a while. And when you told me this stat, I paused and I, I'm like, wait a minute, really? Is that right? But it, it speaks to just how good and how ready to play this team has been this year.
1: Yeah, listen, you've worked with me long enough to know that, like, sometimes my math gets a little bit, you know, wonky. So it's, it's right to make sure that, like, to double check this. But when I, when I look at bets like this, and we talked about this in the last episode, I love a good first half bet. Some of the best value you can find, I think, is a better, in my opinion, first half bets, first half, uh, first half t- a team totals, um, team to score first, things like that. And when you look at Mizzou. One thing about Eli Drinkwitz and that that staff, they've been really good on script. Right. So when I first looked at this, my first thought was, let's look at see like what what they've done or what the number is for them to score first. It's Mizzou minus 120 because Ohio State is really good at a lot of things, but one of them is not really starting out early. And and as Bob mentioned, they have struggled tremendously against the SEC. Then you look at Mizzou. They scored first in nine of their 12 games this year. Uh, And on top of that, in the first half, the bet I love the most. Mizzou has not trailed at at halftime in a single game this entire season. They have been okay. leading at halftime in eleven of their twelve games. The only game they were not leading, they were tied at the half against UGA. That's a team that has played UGA closer than anyone else in the country over the past two seasons, which should speak, you know, like in and of itself. Um, but they have been tremendous in the, in the first half of games this year. Love them to score first at minus one twenty. Love them to win the first uh, first half, which is actually I think even money line right now. Um, you can also get them, and you look at just some like they've, they've managed to win the first half of games this year by an average scoring margin of 9.3 points per game in the first half. There's just a lot to like from about Mizzou, especially in the first half of games. Bob, is there anything
0: that stands out along those lines with the Mizzou offense, with the superstars that they have, Cody Schrader, who has blossomed into one of the best stories and one of the best players in all of college football, and Luther Burden the third, two guys that if they're going up against a defense that has been rock solid during the season, but if they are not at full strength and they're dealing with opt-outs and we're questioning the motivation, is there a play there with with some of those guys that you've seen that stands out?
2: Yeah, I go back to that, that Tennessee game that I was talking about, and I think that that was the moment for me where I was like, wow, Cody Schrader, huh? I mean, he was fantastic in that game. The way that he finished the season – uh, he was fantastic so much so that when you look at his, we don't know, and I don't have a, an actual number in front of me here for what his rushing total is going to be, but I am going to play the over on it. He has hit it six straight times to finish the season. I expect given some of the uncertainty with Ohio States, uh, what they have on the defensive side of the ball coming into this game, I think that he's going to shine here. Um, I think that this is a platform to kind of say, Hey, go get it. Um, I, I'm definitely going to play probably all things Cody Schrader in this game.
0: Seems like a safe bet. Seems like a really – bet on Cody Schrader. Uh, do not bet against that kid. He has just been lights out. Just not a fun guy to tackle. <laughs> Sometimes, like, no. just don't overthink it. Just not a, a fun guy to tackle. Marlar, is there anything that stands out uh, with, with the way that Ohio State, we think the roster could look? It's hard to sit here and say on December 19th as we're recording this, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a lock to play. If Maserati Marv is suddenly going to be out there, does that change how we feel about Ohio State? Is it still kind of like the same sort of outlook where it feels like this is a matchup that, that should favor Mizzou and maybe some of the props would reflect that?
1: So, I mean, I'm still at a, a spot with, with Ohio State. The like, it, I don't think he's going to play, right? But just the way that that unfolded with the players entering the portal, not just the amount of people that entered the portal, the way it happened and how it was so quick and, and like sudden, that, that kind of worries me. Um, again, like like from a value standpoint, I, I think you look at Mizzou and all of the value from a betting betting standpoint is on them. Like you, you talk about Ohio State, you brought up how good that defense has been. We always just assume when we talk about Ohio State, we, we just kind of talk about their offense because Ryan Day has been so great with quarterbacks and the offense has been so good. There's so much star power over the last three, four, five years. But number three in total defense, number three in in yards per play allowed, number one in the fewest touchdowns given up, which would take me to my next one here from a value standpoint. Mizzou, the the first scoring method to be a field goal, and they have one of the best kickers in the country uh, in Harrison Mevis, the the thicker kicker, plus 225 um, Mm -hmm. for that to be the first scoring method. For Mizzou, specifically that to be their first scoring method, plus 200, I, I love that as well. Um, like I said, I, I think Mizzou will be able to jump on them early. And if you want, if you want to take Ohio State and you want to say that, like you know, you're you're so confident in them to win, I love the first half full game prop bet where you can say Mizzou to win the first half, which I've already told you how much I love that, and Ohio State to win the full game plus seven hundred on that.
0: Yeah, look, Harrison Mavis, uh, I have legally adopted him. Uh, the thicker kicker is uh, he is the lad of all lads. He, he truly is easy, easy kid to be able to, to root for. Could definitely see a long field goal attempt on a, on a first drive or, or something like that if the Kirby Moore script is right for that Mizzou offense. The one thing I, I wonder about, Devin Brown in a prove it game. In a spot where you kind of wonder, like, this this is his audition. This is his audition to try and win the starting job. As of this recording, we don't know what Ohio State is going to be doing in the transfer portal. Even if they do bring in someone, this is still a big-time opportunity for a guy that missed out on the starting job. And what if he just plays his absolute tail off? And this Ohio State offense that's been kind of stuck in the mud at times and you've, you've been betting Ohio State unders, you've probably made yourself a good bit of money. But if you are going to take the Ohio State side, it feels like parlaying it with some sort of Devin Brown prop in terms of you know over on passing yards or over on touchdowns. It feels like that would be the play. But we just haven't seen a whole lot of them, and it's hard to have a whole lot of confidence. So I, I agree. Is there is there anything
1: else that you guys want to hit on uh, with this game that you think the people should be aware of? The, on- the- Real quick, bro, the, only- the only thing I've seen from Devin Brown I hate and that's that he wears number 33. And that is a gross, gross job of a quarterback. Um, the only thing, and I'll, I'll defer to Bob on this one, but like we talked about the, the props as the day that we're recording this, the, the actual player props are still not out, but one prop that I played a bunch of times this year was, was Brady cook over one and a half total touchdowns. Um, Interested to hear Bob's thoughts on that, because I think that that's, it's been a really good play at times because he's able to rush the football and also throw the ball really, really well. But, but as you said, I wonder if that's kind of futile because you're, you're going into a game where maybe Cody Schrader is the workhorse.
2: Yeah. I, I, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I kind of, I don't really have much more for you on that front. The the only thing I will say, because this has been very pro Missouri, we've really leaned that way. You go back to the start of the 2021 season. So Ohio state, if they hold the opponent to less than five yards per carry, they're 25 and one outright. Wow. So if you can stop the run, again, like this is, this seems like cliche 101 stuff, but if you can keep the opponent in check here, there's probably a pretty good correlation between, you know, the ability to win the game. That's where I come back to Schrader. And I think that he's going to have the game that, that I said he was going to have. And that's why, like, I correlate all of this stuff together. For me, like, when I go to submit the ticket on this game, it's going to be Schrader to score over the rush yard total Missouri to win. Like that's the way I'm going to go about this. I just, I, I haven't really, I, I, I just like where Missouri is at coming into this game. I don't think Ohio state cares about this game. I, I just, it's the whole thing, like we spent on, in the first episode, we talked a lot about motivation, right? We didn't really even address that in, in, in this conversation. Yeah. How, how motivated is Ohio state going to be in this game? I just, I truly don't see it, so that's that's the angle that I'm going to come from on this. Very yeah.
1: very offended, Bob, that you didn't have a single first half bet on that ticket. You said you were going to submit. <laughs> Just very. I mean, what the hell, dude? What the hell?
2: Well, no, actually, I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I, I will. I'm going to. I am going to play that as well. I mean, you said they've they've been tremendous front runners all season.
0: This game would be uh, really really interesting with both teams at full strength. I think it'll still be really interesting. Uh, to see the way that that this Mizzou team caps off what's been a historic year for them, I would be putting like I think I have Mizzou in the twenties in my confidence pool, and that's probably also because you got to know your competition. I got Midwest people in my confidence mm-hmm. pool league; they're probably going to be putting a little bit on Ohio State, and I see it as a nice spot to be able to uh, to take advantage of those who have been paying attention closely to the season the way that it's played out. Hey, sports fans! We've got an exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code South during sign-up to unlock an additional $50 in your betting account. That's right. You can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code South. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to 1-800-522-4700. Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer. Okay, Peach Bowl. Let's go to number 11, Ole Miss, number 12, Penn State. Penn State is a four-point favorite in this one. That game, Saturday, December 30th at noon Eastern on ESPN. We have no New Year's Eve college football bowl games this year, as weird as that sounds after the playoff era has just been littered with them. I personally love this game. The Peach Bowl is the absolute best. Shout out our guy, Kerry Stokin, uh, who runs this thing, does a great job with that each and every year. Marlar and I love eating way too much Chick-fil-A at this game. Uh, I love that we've got two teams that have a lot to play for As We're talking about motivation. This matchup should have two teams that want to show the world, hey, you've put us in this tier two, and we're going to go out and win a quality game to show you that we're better than what the the, the naysayers would say about us. That seems like a, a very easy motivation, anti-rat poison, whatever you want to call it, for, for Lane Kiffin and for James Franklin. But Vegas still has Penn State as the four point favorite, despite the, all the, the instances in which I bang the drum for Ole Miss. Does there feel like a spot for you to get in with the Ole Miss getting four, knowing that Penn State has played in a lot of these low scoring uh, type games? Bob, let's start with with you on that. Is, is, I, I know this is your region of the country as well. Uh, Penn State's got to be right in the wheelhouse for you. How are you feeling about Penn State being a four-point favorite?
2: Well, uh, you know, you look at their performance this year against the spread and as a favorite, and we'll dig in, in a little bit here, uh, it is very good. Uh, they they tend to excel as a favorite. They've played very well late season in some of these bowl games. Uh, but there is a little bit of a, and I, I know that you guys are dialed in on the SEC. I know that you really are taking a, a broad approach, too, in, in terms of how you cover this stuff. Here in this area where I'm at, I'm in Southern New Jersey, about five minutes outside of Philadelphia, Uh, there's a big Penn State presence around here. The patience has fully run out with James Franklin. Um, It's, you know, how many times can we get up for a big game, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Michigan, and just fall flat? And so, you know, we talk all the time about his ability to recruit and, you know, the enthusiasm and, you know, building a program and setting expectations. And then they just can't seem to kind of get over the hump, and it leads you to games like this, where yeah, like you get a good matchup, it's a compelling game. They've tended to you know show well in these games, but you know I think that there's always a yeah but with with James Franklin and his teams.
0: Very hard to bet on Marler. Do you find yourself being more so intrigued about getting four, getting four with Lane Kiffin, knowing that that Penn State could have some potential issues with the coordinator spots knowing that they've got co-ocs calling plays after the midseason firing, Manny Diaz is off to Duke. So you've got, you know, multiple guys calling plays there no chop Robinson likely going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Like, is this a spot in which you'd say, yes, hammer Ole Miss plus four.
1: So I don't want to say hammer Ole Miss plus four, but all the signs and the writings on the wall that did, that, yeah, that's not a bad play. Like, like you're going to hear me almost regurgitate everything I just said about Mizzou into this game because Penn State, great against the spread. As Bob said, 8-3 and three against the spread this year, really, really solid. But, like, where have they struggled? They've struggled in big games. They've struggled in – especially in, in the SEC. In, I think, eight of his bowl games uh, at, at Penn State, uh, James Franklin is 0-3 against SEC teams. Um, and I've seen him lose to much worse SEC teams in bowl games, uh, which I know maybe, like, historically doesn't have as much of an impact on this year. But, like, I think there's a lot riding on it for both games – or for both teams – And both head coaches. And and I know what what Bob said about, you know, Franklin and kind of the patience running, running thin. Kiffin is kind of the opposite where everyone he is riding high right now. He's in his element. He's got the portal going. He's about to sign a a really good class. He might sign a kid from the portal on the sidelines. I have no idea. He might live tweet this game from the sidelines. Um, But at the same time, one thing that Kiffin really hasn't done on his resume is get like a big signature victory. On a on a national stage. The LSU game this year may be the closest one, you could you could say, um, but that's a nine and three team that that you know like was ranked high at the time. I think when you look at the betting standpoint, one of my favorite bets every week of the year was Ole Miss to score first. It really has been for the last two years, because when when Lane Kiffin is on script, it's a beautiful thing. And that defense has been better than people give it credit for. Their plus money to score first, plus 105, give me all the value on that. Give me all the value on that. I love them in the first half getting three points there as well. Now, I know that teasers aren't the, the best thing in the world, but you're going to be hard-pressed to probably talk me out of a teaser this day where I take Ole Miss getting six, and, and so they're getting ten and a half total with some other game on, on the slate. I, I I just love I love Lane Kiffin, what he does offensively. He's got a lot of time on his hands, and this is a game I think that, that probably matters to him because like, this is a notch on your belt where you can have a signature win even if it's not – you know, a, a huge game. And also, Connor, you know this better than anybody. As, as a guy that comes to the SEC, congrats to Ole Miss for finally making it to Atlanta. Maybe they're, you know, they're finally on the big stage. That was a nice little
0: dig at, at Marler, talking, or from Marler, talking about an Ole Miss team that's never been able to play in an SEC championship game. Um, yeah, a few, a few thoughts on that. Look, the James Franklin against the SEC thing, I, I remember being there at the Citrus Bowl 2018 when they lost that game to Kentucky. A really good Kentucky team. Really solid defense that they had, but watching James Franklin take the ball out of Trace McSorley's hands yet again was just a baffling thing to witness. And I remember asking him about it after the game. He's like, oh, our receivers, you know, really haven't really caught the ball well this year. And then he fires his receivers coach the next day uh, and explains why Trace McSorley wasn't given the ball on fourth and six, whatever. Um, The other thing that's worth remembering, though, you talk about James Franklin and the struggles that he has had in the big time games and the record against Michigan, Ohio State. It's not good. It's not. But the Lane Kiffin stat that I've been bringing up all year that is mm-hmm. worth repeating, probably in this instance in which he is playing in a New Year's coaching in a New Year's Six bowl game, entering this season, Lane was one in nineteen straight up against Power Five teams who won at least nine regular season games. Entering this year, his last such victory was 2011 against Oregon. Back when he was USC head coach, he got his second win against a nine-win Power Five team this year by beating LSU, the, the marquee win. Penn State is a very, very different team than LSU, like the inverse of LSU, Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. LSU throws the ball downfield at will. Penn State talks about it like it's a 1975 fashion trend. Like they are two teams that could not be more different in identity. And so I'm interested to see if Ole Miss can kind of play to their strengths still with that. And knowing that there are still a lot of questions, a lot of moving pieces on the Penn State side. I do think that if you're looking at this from Moneyline play for just to just to be able to say Penn State Moneyline, I think that might be a more interesting play. But I also don't really trust James Franklin in a close game. Is this a live bet scenario or is there anything like that 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 stands out, Bob?
2: Well, listen, we're making a big deal about James Franklin and, and not being able to rise to the occasion in big games. Ole Miss is number 11 in the coaches poll, right? All of this data is about top 10 teams. So they're good. They're in the clear. They're out of the tier. <laughs> Penn State, one in 12, one in 12 in their last 13 games against top 10 teams in the coaches poll. So uh, fortunately for them, they're sitting at 10, bumping out Ole Miss in this one. Well, also, like,
1: Bob, like all jokes aside, like, like one, I love the stat. That's a beautiful stat. Like, that's perfect. But like, when you talk about Penn State, and I know that in the SEC, we like to like beat our chest down here about, how, you know, games are one of the trenches. There may not be another team in the country, really. I, maybe Oregon, you could say Ohio State, maybe Michigan, but Penn State is built inside and out like an SEC team. Up front on the lines, like I know Chop Robinson might be out, but the amount of depth that they have, specifically on the defensive line, is really, really solid. So I, I think that, like, like that, that's going to be. I think SEC fans are going to be surprised when they see they see how physical Penn State is. I think it also leads into a potential situation we talk about player props. Maybe you shy away from Quinchon Judkins and you and you focus more on the Jackson Dart and, and Trey Harrison and some of the like things through the air.
2: Yeah, I think that there's so much of a correlation between the, the way that this game is going to flow and who ultimately wins it. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about Penn State's inability to throw the football down the field. They don't try it. Uh, they aren't good at it. Uh, it's been so conservative the entire year. And like you look at forty-eight and a half on the total and you say like, OK, like I really do think that this is a situation if you want to get creative, if you're looking to, like really kind of take a shot here, I think that it might be as simple as just saying if this game goes over the total, I don't see how Penn State produces enough offense to win the game. If it stays mm-hmm. under the total, Ooh. then yeah, they, I think that they probably find a way like if, if they play in the mud, if it's going to be a grinder type of game. Then, then I think it kind of plays more to what Penn State wants to do. Um, I mean, I think you were talking about like the ability for Ole Miss to maybe come out and, and score early and, and sort of set the tone. I mean, like you look at what Penn State's done this season; ten of their twelve games have stayed under the total in the first quarter. Like it's just what they do, right. and I, that's what I said. Like when I look at how I'm going to play this, I like I might take a shot and kind of try to correlate these things up and do a parlay on it.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense too because it just that that's the narrative. Penn State, like, you, Penn State doesn't want to be in a shootout and Ole Miss doesn't want to be in a rock fight. And they've let me just
2: give you this real quick. I mean, like, 79 passing yards against Rutgers, Rutgers, you know, and I mean, like, I know that they're, hey, respectable. Greg Sciano, like, team. You know, keep chopping, but like, 79 yards, 70 yards passing against Michigan. They threw for a buck ninety one 91 against Ohio State, but they threw 42 times. I mean, they just have no ability to create big plays through the passing game. And I, I just – maybe it is a little, like, SEC bias in this way. Maybe it's, like, the proximity to Penn State and knowing so many disappointed Penn State fans on an annual basis. But, like, I just look at it, and I know that Lane Kiffin, based on what you guys are talking about, has a lot of shortcomings in these, these higher stakes games against better opponents. But uh, I just – I can't bring myself to bet on Penn state in this game. And that's knowing that they're nine and three against the spread this year, nine and one against the spread as a favorite. Like they excel in these spots you know, this year, but man, I, I just can't do it.
0: it. It is a, definitely, it feels like a, a very, very tricky spot. Wonder if Ole Miss can get into the backfield as well. You've got guys returning on that defensive line. It feels like they're adding a new stud from the portal on the defensive line every day, potential big motivation. Hey, I still need to be playing significant snaps next year Mm -hmm. for the Jared Ivies, the J.J. Pegues, those types of guys in this one. A little bit of a Pete Golding prove-it game. We call it a a how-do-you-like-me-now-Toby-Keith game potentially for Pete Golding. I don't know if anybody's going to go out here and flex after shutting down the Penn State offense, but, you know what, I guess Michigan cried about it, so why can't Ole Miss cry about it as well? Um, Really, really good matchup, though. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a really good point. Michigan versus everybody. Um, I, I do I do have a little bit more of, even though I feel like we know these teams really well, I think it's tough from a confidence pool standpoint for all the things that we just brought up because you're probably going to feel dumb either way if you're like, oh my God, why did I put significant confidence pool points on James Franklin in a big time game that could be relatively close? And then you could make the same exact argument for Lane Kiffin. So to me, this is more kind of a lower confidence pool type game. It's okay if sometimes you have teams that you know, you feel like you know well in a confidence pool and you're still looking at it like, ah, man, this could be, this could be a really tough spot, even though I do think Old Miss uh, is the better team. Marlar, any, any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, you know, from the confidence pool standpoint, one of my favorite things about this show so far has been you taking all the, the lead on that, because I mean, there's just, you're asking me to budget numbers. I don't do that well financially. <laughs> I don't do well with my carbs or, or calories. I can't do that in a bowl pool. I will tell you this. I do love Jackson Dart over one and a half uh, total touchdowns. Again, that's passing and rushing, if you can find both. Because he, this is a situation where I think I think that Penn State is going to be able to key in on Quinshot Judkins. Like, Judkins is a really good back, kind of takes a step back this year compared to where they were last year. I also think that in, in physical matchups, Jackson Dart, hands down, I can't scientifically prove prove this, but he's the toughest Jackson with the way they spell Jackson, I think, maybe in the world. Like, nobody with Jackson with an X and an S – is as tough as this Jackson Dart. Um, I mean that that bar is set very low, I think. But like he's been very, very tough and in a, a gamer in a lot of physical spots. This is gonna be a very physical game. I think watching him out of the backfield, being able to run on some of these, uh, you know, like RPOs and stuff like that, especially close to the goal line. Saw it against Bama. Saw it a couple times. I think against uh, against LSU. I think he might have a good day on his, with his legs too.
0: Yeah, over under one and a half times Jackson Dart loses his helmet. With Dude. some some sort of run.
1: He leads <laughs> First he leads quarter. college football in
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take the over. Drops an F bomb
1: as soon as it's off. just on national TV every single time.
0: Yeah. Uh, happens happens to the best of us. Before we continue, a uh, quick reminder. We got two games left here that we're going to be discussing today. A reminder that you must be twenty-one years or older to gamble. Please gamble responsibly and within your limits. If you need assistance, please call one 800 522 4700 if you're gambling on the Orange Bowl, man, you are you got some dart throws on uh, this game, guys. We're in Georgia. Number six, Georgia, is a 14-point favorite against number five, Florida State. Uh, this game, my God, uh, there is not a weirder bowl game to bet, especially as we are sitting here recording this again December 19th. And if, if you were unaware, let me just set the stage for you guys, because there's probably a million <laughs> ways that we could go with this one. Uh, if you were unaware of some of the personnel things, and maybe just looked at this matchup knowing, all right, FSU missed the playoff. Uh, you know, it's like this power five unbeaten. You'd be saying to yourself, oh, what an awesome matchup. And maybe it still will be, but man, there are just so many questions and moving pieces. Trey, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, uh, Jaheim Bell all opted out of this game. Not sure on Keon Coleman, Jared Verse, those guys. Jamon Dumas Johnson, he hit the portal for Georgia. We know that Jordan Travis is out. The selection committee knows that Jordan Travis is out. We know that Tate Rodemaker is playing in this one. As of this recording, we don't know about Brock Bowers. We don't know about Ladd McConkey, both of whom very much less than 100% in the SEC championship, have NFL decisions to make. Yes, Ladd McConkey has an NFL decision to make, not obviously in the same breath as as Brock Bowers, who may or may not be human. The good news, though, and I want, I want to tee this up for you guys, and this is maybe the most important bit of news that we could have gotten before doing this recording. We found out on December, on what was it? Yeah, Monday, December 18th, that Carson Beck is playing in this football game. That's about all we got at this point. Uh, how in the world do you look at a four-point spread? Marler, let's let, let's start with you. Uh, that line actually hasn't had a ton of movement, and maybe it will as we get more and more opt outs leading up to this.
1: Listen, as the noted Alabama homer of this this podcast, this this company, um, but also I feel like it's pretty rational. Let me just apologize to both these teams for ruining your season. For one, that like Florida State being out of the national championship playoff is like, even as a Bama fan, that it, it doesn't sit right. It's just gross. It's gross. I think that Georgia being a you said a four point favorite.
0: 14 point favorite. 14 I, was point favorite.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was like dude, I'm jumping all over that. I, I, I do think this is interesting because you could you could look at this from a number of ways. Like like both teams have a ton of opt-outs. Georgia's opt-outs, you don't see a bunch of starters, I feel like. Um, and you don't see this mass exodus as you see at Florida State for for I think very different reasons. A really tough situation to like you, you could sit here and, and, and do all the Kirby coach speak, and, and Mike Norvell, I'm sure, is 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 like exhausted himself trying to find motivational quotes and stuff about how to get this team ready. There's just few things that are more deflating than what happened to both of these teams. I will also say, if you're looking at Georgia, that the, the track record here, like I, I keep going back to the the Sugar Bowl, right in in, in 2000 what was it 2019? Connor, end of the 18?
0: 2018 season where they lost to Texas. The Texas is right. back game, Sam Elliott. Yep.
1: Right. So th- that game where they, you know, you go to you go to NOLA and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we didn't want to be there. We had opt outs maybe I think people are probably clinging a little bit too much to that. Like they think that might happen again. This is a different program. This is a team that has won back-to-back national championships. They've lost two games in three years. And it's also a very proud team. And I think a proud coaching staff that is regardless of all the outside noise, they think that's coming about like these, these former five stars that are leaving the portal. By the way, you look at the playing time of those former five stars, not a huge, huge hit on on the, on the current roster. I, I really like Georgia in this game I, it, it's also one of these things. I feel like I'm gonna have to watch it, and just it, it is gonna be the most like guilt filled watch I, I, may ever, I may ever have.
0: Also worth noting, since that game, Georgia is six and zero in bowl games since losing that one, in two of which were, were non playoff games, in which they right. they did get up four against Baylor, and then they had the nice comeback uh, in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. Bob, yeah, two touchdowns is massive, massive for a New Year's Six bowl. And I don't think the selection committee set the line for that one. Um, But I mean, if they did, I guess they would have had Georgia at number five uh, instead of having Florida State at at number five. But um, how would you approach this knowing that we could get a lot more information leading up to this that could tip your hand?
2: Yeah, I mean, as we talk right now, uh, I I pull this line out sometimes and. It often will make me look like an idiot, but I, I do go to it time and time again. And I think there are certain situations where the line or the spread tells me all I need to know. And I, I think that this is a very revealing point spread. Um, and man, if there's ever really a time to dig into the context of a game and really understand what's happening in terms of the opt outs and the motivation angles, because I think a lot of people are going to look at this game, casual betters, casual observers of college football. And they're going to say Florida state, man, they got screwed. And now they're a 14 point underdog to Georgia, man, the disrespect, I bet you they're going to rise up and show everyone what they're really made of. And like, that's just not what this is. Unfortunately. I mean, as much as I would love to watch a game with that angle and that storyline and have the networks be able to sell that to the, to the audience, it's just really not what's going on here. I, I think that this was a, you know, we 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 gutted it out against Louisville. We did our job. Uh, they screwed us. And I, I think the party's kind of over there. I, I think everyone kind of just dispersed at that point. And I, I think you're going to get a, a very watered down Florida State product, um, a team that is probably not up for this game, probably not focused for it. That's what I think is going to happen. I frankly think it's going to be the total 180 of the we're going to show you. Uh, I, I just don't think they're going to have any juice for this game. Just from a human element, you know, and and that doesn't even get into the actual matchups, which certainly favor Georgia uh, by a ton. Uh, So, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely leaning Georgia in this game. Um, I think that there are uh, plenty of reasons to do it. Like I can just give you a couple trends that I think are noteworthy here. You go back over the last three seasons. I know that this Georgia team is not the team that it was over the previous two years, but when favored between 10 and a half to 21 points they're 11 and 2 against the spread so they're comfortable with bigger numbers they cover bigger numbers in this range um, go back to their overall performance in bowl games dating back to 1992 they're 22 and 10 against the spread so this is a program that tends to perform well in bowl season against the number and if you just want to do the whole conference thing since 1992, uh, you go back over the last 30 years, Georgia's 31-13 and 13 against the spread uh, when playing ACC schools. So there's a lot here just from a historical big-picture context that, that kind of says Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. And I just can't get over that, that Florida State game in, in that cha- conference championship. I mean, 3-0 at the half, 2.6 yards per attempt through the air. They ran for under four yards per carry. like I just this team is not going to be able to run with georgia
0: different set of circumstances i i, I would argue just because of you got a different starting quarterback that's going to be out there. The totally. Louisville defense was pretty good as well, and it it was pouring rain in, in in those conditions. I will say that, but yes i I agree, especially knowing the opt outs that we already have available for Florida State. you question what the weapons are going to look like I will say if you are gonna bet on Florida State if you're like listen I just heard everything you guys said about Georgia and Florida State in this matchup I'm like I'm not buying it I'm all in on the knolls I've got like six people that live in my cul-de-sac that I bet will be betting on the Knolls as well. Uh if you're just sitting sitting there like I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the fact that Mike Norvell has won 19 games in a row because he knows what he's doing. He will just figure it out. There is a part of me that wonders get in on this now because if Georgia has these opt-outs And if Carson Beck gets into a spot where maybe it's reminiscent of Jared Stidham in the Peach Bowl against UCF at the end of the 2017 season, Jake Fromm in that aforementioned Cotton, or not Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl against Texas at the end of the 2018 season, Kyle Trask in the bowl game against Oklahoma where he threw three picks in the first quarter, where it's a a quarterback who returns that you feel good about, but all of a sudden you're looking around going, um maybe he doesn't have what he's used to having and it shows there is that possibility and i think maybe that's more interesting from a live betting standpoint than to look at it from the onset because of all those things you just mentioned the deck is still stacked in Georgia's favor especially if florida state is not approaching this like oh we're going to declare ourselves national champs if we win this game which is just a thing that you do in the state of florida marler your guy You've been close to Florida State all year with Tyler.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's his confidence level as a better and as a fan? Because I feel like that can yeah. it can almost tell the story for those that are feeling like they're, this is a really good spot to get on a lot of different
1: things for the Noles. I, I wish I said this earlier. We should have just had him on so he could speak for himself because I love Tyler to death. And I don't think that I'm out of line for saying what I'm about to say. But I mean, he's been emotionally broken since that announcement from the, the committee and you know I like guess somebody that's been emotionally broken since 2017. I get it like I fully get it yeah, I mean like what do you want them to do? I, I think from a confidence standpoint there's I mean like this this game on paper five weeks ago has so much to like about it. but now where it's at, it's like this I don't think it sucks. I think I think that Florida State's still in a good spot with like a couple of a couple of things that they could possibly do. again, I'll go back to my go-to's right like to, Florida State to score first. It seems like it's it's not a, you know after what we witnessed in the in the ACC championship game, um, maybe not the best bet, but at plus 160, there's value there, especially to a Georgia team that has given up a lot of like they have let their opponent score first in, in a lot of games this year. So I don't think it's that that bad. Um, but you know to, to cover 14, I just think with where these two programs, not even are trending, but where they are right now, I think the pride standpoint is so much more on Georgia for this one to kind of sit here and say like, listen, like that, that team won 29 straight games, 29 straight games. They lost on a neutral field by three points to Alabama. And it's their second loss in three years. And they dropped from one to six. Like there's not a better motivator in this country, I think, than, than Kirby smart. And I think he'll be able to do that as well. Um, I will say from like the betting standpoint, and the positives from, from Florida state, one area that I would look into from like a player prop standpoint is um, Johnny Wilson and, and, and Keon Coleman, like they're, they're totals for the ACC Johnny championship Wilson opting
0: out of this, of the, of this game, just to, just a head right. up. Keon Coleman TBD on, on whether or not he's, he's going to be playing somebody that's widely
1: considered a first round prospect for this game. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. You're fine. What, I was, what I was trying to say was that those, those two played their prop bets for just the ACC championship game, 47 and a half total yards for Keon 52 and a half for Johnny Wilson or it vice versa. Obviously, like you said, Wilson is opting out of this one. If Keon Coleman plays, he is going to be the go-to guy. Jaheim Bell is not going to be yep. playing as well. Tate Rodemaker, I think, is, is is a quarterback that, like, you know, he obviously he, he's not in the best situation. But that's a Georgia secondary that has struggled at times this year. And I think that if Florida State is looking to go somewhere to try to attack this Georgia defense, that's where you do it, is in the secondary. I would think so as well. That could also – turn
0: into a spot where georgia with the over-the-top help uh if they're trying to to pick on malachi starks that might not be the best formula either yeah. uh who knows what this florida state offensive game plan is going to look like we might not truly know what their objective is against this georgia defense it's still very talented georgia defense until they get actually get out there um and and have to make things happen with what could be a new look type team any other thoughts on this one at, at all that, that you're that you're looking at bob that, that just kind of stand out that we can try and neutralize some of these moving, these moving pieces heading into this game.
2: Yeah. I just have two notes here and I didn't really know how to wedge it into the conversation uh, naturally. So now I'm going to force it into the conversation, (laughs) but Keon Coleman, we don't know if he's going to play certainly the volume element, as Chris just said, he's he's going to become the focus. If he plays, he will get the football, but uh, it should be worth noting that he stayed under his yardage prop in each of his last four games Hmm. uh, to finish the season. So I think, and this will lead me into my final point. I think what happens is you get these names and you start to say like, well, this is a, this is a dude. I'm going to rely on him. I'm going to hammer his prop. And you know, the line starts to inflate. Right. And you start to lose value. And so the, you look at Georgia, Georgia against the spread, this season was four, eight and one. And mm-hmm. that is not a, a necessarily a surprise. I mean, they had a great year. They were right there, but this is what we see with champions. We see odds makers start to to balloon against them. They start to inflate against them. You look, just even go over to pro football for a second. Like, look what's happened to the Kansas city chiefs this year. They've struggled to beat the spread. You take a team like the Eagles. They were 10 and one. They, they're struggling to beat the spread week in week out. Like, so what happens is you get these teams, they win, they have a ton of success and odds makers take advantage of that. And they tack a point or two extra onto these lines and they figure people are still going to bet it, so let's let's get that value in our favor. So that's one thing to kind of be cognizant of. And Florida State was good against the spread this year, eight and five. So if if you're looking for something to latch on to as a Florida State backer here, you know, I guess be aware of that.
1: I will also say too, and I don't want to get your thoughts on this. The only the only props I really like on this one, I love the I love the set about Georgia being four eight and one against the spread because as dominant as they've been. That is a team that I think Vegas made themselves a lot of money on this year, just with, like with public betting on being going on Georgia. Um, I do like Florida State under 14 and a half total points for the game. I think that's a pretty good spot because I, you know for all the things we've already mentioned. Um, the only other thing I could think of, if Brock Bowers plays, Connor, I should have done more research, research on this, but he has not opted out.
0: He has not officially opted out. The last I had heard was that he is rehabbing ahead of this game. Okay and that he is still trying to figure out what his, his next step is going to be again, as of December 19th.
1: If for some unknown reason, this kid plays and, and I, I understand that's a big if, even with how dominant he's been for most of the year, his, his total receiving yards prop that has been in the fifties. Um, hasn't really trickled up over 60 at any point this year. I think the highest I've even seen is like 58 and a half. Um, if he plays, I think that's a house, like, bet the mortgage type bet on, on him to go over because, one, he's been tremendous in the postseason his first two years. I understand it's very different considering that this is not a, a, play, a college football playoff game, but they are going to go to him. Even if it's just you're telling me he's going to be in a, it's a send-off game. How many times have we watched Georgia this year first play the game in the SEC Championship against Alabama? They get him out in space, roll out your quarterback, and and, and get him to a, like where he's open for a 20-yard gain I think that if this is something that he does play – and you find yourself with a with a prop bet in the fifties of his receiving yards. I think you would hammer the over there.
0: I wonder if Vegas would bake in a little bit of risk as mm-hmm. well if they decide if if Georgia and if Bowers ultimately decides that he is going to play in this one, if they bake in the risk of he the ankle is tweaked in the first quarter and then they just shut it down. And mm-hmm. if there's value in that, if you're saying, look, I just think that guy, he's going to have a send off that is going to be fitting. And I think he's going to have a big day as long as he's out there and he's going to play through pain. He's not going to really hurt. It's about pain tolerance. So there could be something there where Vegas says, ah, we have to bake that into our odds that Georgia can just shut this guy down. And it it could be more of a, you know, like more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just a a figure, like, you know, figuratively speaking, send off and not an actual Brock Bowers, 12 reception, hundred yard type game then who knows? Maybe there's something there to be said for that. Um, yeah. yeah, let's just hope that this game is actually entertaining and not the blowout that the selection committee thought it would definitely be had they put Florida State against one of these elite teams. Hey, sports fans. We've got an exciting offer exclusively for new users of ESPN Bet. When you join, be sure to enter the promo code SOUTH during sign-up to unlock an additional $50 in your betting account. That's right. You can wager on your favorite sports and receive up to $250 in bonus bets when you use the promo code SOUTH. Please remember, you must be 21 years old to participate in sports betting. We encourage responsible gambling within your means. If you ever need assistance or support, please reach out to one 800 522-4700. Five two two four seven zero zero. 4700 Join the action today and make the most of this fantastic offer. Okay, last game, guys. Fiesta Bowl. I can't say I saw this matchup coming, but number 23, Liberty, an even bigger underdog than Florida State. Uh, Oregon, number 8 in the country, 175 half point favorite that game is going to be on new year's day one o'clock eastern on ESPN body clock don't forget about that for Oregon uh we're not going to be talking about body clock probably not for this game (laughs) this is really just the SEC pod today because this is the one game we're discussing that doesn't feature an SEC team but it's got two former SEC quarterbacks starting in this one with Bo Nix and Caden Salter plus Dan Lanning longtime Georgia assistant obviously and Jamie Chadwell a Tennessee native who grew up such a big fan of the falls that he names his son after Heath Schuler, People forget that. Yeah, oh big, big Tennessee fan. Yeah, uh, this is an SEC Bowl. Oregon is built like an SEC team. We did just see, and I wonder how much this factors into a very significant spread. We did just see the Ducks lose outright as, what, nine and a half, ten and a half, 10-point favorite, depending on where you got it. Bob, we'll start with you. Any trepidation knowing about, Eh, maybe this you know this lacks motivation for Oregon despite the fact that Bo Nix is playing in this game
2: uh you remember uh about seven minutes ago when I said uh, occasionally I'll tell you that the the line tells me all I need to know yep. yep well why don't you bring up that Pac-12 championship game against Washington because I said well here's Oregon in a revenge spot as a nine and a half point favorite they're gonna kill him and uh You know, lo and behold, that did not happen. And I was burned by Oregon. And I have a lot of animosity, lingering animosity towards the Oregon Ducks going into this game. The whole state, Bob. I hate Oregon. I wish nothing but failure for this team. (laughs) No, uh, I mean, look, I I think that this is a a game where you get an opportunity to watch 32-year-old Bo Nix get one more shot at it, um, send him out on a high note against Liberty, uh, one of the most prestigious programs in the entire country. Uh, what a game! I, I, for one, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I'll be firmly, my ass will be parked firmly on my couch for this one.
0: Bob, I think you provided the most sarcastic answer in the history of Saturday Down South airwaves, and for That's a true. podcast that includes Marler, that is no small feat, my friend. Well done. Well that was
2: no small whiff that I had on that Pac-12 championship game. I want you to, I want you to no. feel that through the microphone right now.
0: Ah. Uh, that is, uh, look, if there's ever a reason to, to bet against Oregon, that is that is probably it. Marler usually have reasons to bet on Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you're a big bonex guy. The fact mm-hmm. that he's playing in this game, fun, great for bowl games, great when the best players are actually out there. Won't fault the kids that aren't, but understand that there is still benefits for, for all parties who decide that. But... Are you coming back to the fact that Liberty hasn't faced a power five team this year? And I think their strength, the schedule is dead last in the country. Like, are you looking at that saying, yeah, I can't even take 17 and a half for Liberty.
1: This So again, I'm, I'm compartment or not compartmentalizing, but I'm, I'm, I'm really going down to the more the nitty gritty. I'm looking at the first quarter. I'm looking at the first half and I'm looking at team totals in this one because 17 and a half is a lot. I will say this. You look at some of the numbers, you look at some of the numbers. I mean, like, like, I remember looking at some of the strength of schedule numbers during the, the cultural playoff rankings. And I, each week I was just trying to find ways to slander Michigan. And, and I did. And I found that I just want to be very clear. I, I was able to do that. But looking at the strength of schedule stuff, one thing that always jumped out, I was like, who the hell is 132nd in the country and strength of schedule always Liberty, like, yep. like bottom three in the country and strength of schedule. I haven't played a single solitary soul. Um, but I will tell you this group of five teams against power, five opponents in New York, six bowls, They've fared a little bit better than you would think. You talk about like just over the years, and in, in eight different games, they're four and four in games against top five opponents in New Year's Six bowls that aren't the playoffs. So that's excluding Cincy um, from the what do you call it uh, the the twenty twenty one playoff game. But they're four and four in those games. That they are one and three over the last five years. But they're four and four overall. They've scored those teams have scored thirty or more points in six of those eight games. When you talk about Liberty, they are a top five offense in the country in scoring. They're they're ranked fifth in the country in scoring offense for a full game. They're ranked what uh, do we see here? They're third in first quarter points per game, tied with Oregon, actually, and they're fourth um, in first half points per game, one spot behind Oregon uh, as well. So I, I think that when I look at this, the the line 17 and a half does seem like a stretch. Even their team total at over 23 and a half, which the the juice is on them to cover, um, I think is a little bit of a stretch. But I do love the, the, the total over in the first quarter, over 14, I love that. Um, I, I would look at the first half as well. But Oregon is, is like you said, they are built a lot like an SEC team. I just think that if Liberty is going to get them, they're going to get them early. And when they're on script and, and try to get as many points early as possible and try to drag this thing out in like you know, so it's somewhat close late.
0: Bob, I don't like the fact that Vegas is trying to limit the person looking at this game. Saying screw it, I'm betting the over. I don't like that right. they've already baked that into that over which last I checked was what 64 and a half. I want to say for this one. Like 66 one the- and a
1: half today.
2: 66, 66 and a
0: half
1: is wild.
0: Dang. Like this this game should be that. And it should just be for a lot of people, probably will be. If if somebody was sitting at the, sitting here trying to figure out if they're just gonna which overs they're gonna bet, and that's all they want to do during bowl season. They don't want to have to figure out first half money lines or stuff like that. They're not into the nitty gritty. And they're like, I just want to be able to sit down on a random day and root for freaking points. Is this game a spot or is that 66 and a half is just too high?
2: Yeah, I'm going to give you two things on this, and and I'll get to the point right away. I don't think it's too high. I'm going to take the over. Like hey, let's man. let's get crazy, right? And I'm I'm going to look at two different things that kind of relate to Liberty. Like I know that Oregon is going to probably score at will. So really, when you're looking at the total, it's what can Liberty contribute to this to this effort? So a, a couple things about this. Like yes, the strength of schedule is not great, but I will go back to the fact that over the last two years, when they've played a team with a winning record, they're seven and zero against the spread. That's pretty damn good. And it's something that I think you can kind of rely on and say, like, will they at least throw a couple punches? Like, we don't even need them to cover the spread here if we're going to go over the total. Can they just throw a few punches in this game? And so they've been pretty good against the number uh, or, you know, against winning teams. Mm. That's part of it. The other thing is just look at the way that they tend to pace and kind of have their games flow. So in their last 14 games, the over is hit uh, in the first half and 11 out of the 14. And it's hit in the first quarter and 10 out of the 14. So they tend to come out hot. They tend to score early. And, you know, I think that I'll probably do this a few different ways. I will probably take the first quarter over. I will probably take the first half over. And I will probably take the full game over. Um, I, I think that that's the way to go about this. I don't really have a feel, if I'm being uh, honest with you. I don't have a great feel for the spread in this one or the side. But I love the total.
0: It seems like this is a really big spot for Bo Nix to just put up seven touchdowns against the Liberty defense. And and I
2: think he's going to like all my like Bo Nix jokes aside. Like I I think that this is a, I I applaud him for playing in this game. I do. I think it's awesome. I think it's good for the sport. I get why guys opt out. As you said, I'm not going down that, you know, having that rant or anything, but I I think this is great. And I think he's going to perform in this game.
0: Does Oregon. If Oregon comes out, just looking awful. I mean, it's just a slow start and the motivation just is it doesn't look like it's there and it's one of those aforementioned quarterback is there, but everybody else are kind of looking around going, What what in the world's going on? Is this at all a spot in which you'd be intrigued by a Liberty live bet for that line? Is it would probably come down like let's say Liberty gets off to a 10 to nothing start or or something like that. Is this a spot where it would be worth it? to bet live or are there are too many other factors. You guys see how Oregon's moving the football. If, if this looks like Liberty is just kind of carving them up, like, it, well, how would you approach that? If Liberty jumps out to an early lead?
2: Well, before I answer that, let me ask you this question. I, I from afar really like Dan Lanning. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like he's a guy I sort of trust pack 12. So I would be stunned if they came out, and didn't have a little bit of fight right away, I would be surprised if the game flowed that way. Um, so if Liberty did get out to a lead and that line shortens up and all of a sudden you could take Oregon six and a half live, I would expect, given what I think about the coach and the coaching staff, to to that be maybe a, a value, a value play at that point.
1: I, I was gonna say, I think that like one, I love the number you threw out there, 10, 10-nothing. I I'd love the first quarter over, like I said, it's over 14. The, the, the first half line is a little bit, maybe a little bit much. It's, it's 10 and a half. Um, but, but Liberty's team total and Oregon's team total for the first half. Again, these are two teams that, that, that rank third and fourth in the country, averaging almost 24 points per game in the first half of games alone this season. Like, they jump out early. And when they're on script, like, you know, I, 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 like Liberty's first half team total over 10 and a half. Oregon's first half over 21 and a half. If you can get that in a book that's over 20 and a half somehow, I think there's a ton of value there. I think this is for me, and I, I this is I've lost a lot of money this way, but I will say that if you're talking about from a value standpoint, the live bet for me, I just picture this if this if it unfolded this way, I would be hammering Oregon the entire time, and that may be to my own detriment. I don't know. I will also say going back to what I said with uh, with the Ole Miss game, if I if I'm looking for a teaser in this one, the six points, love love the idea of of getting. Uh, of getting Oregon down to down to ten and a half in this one, or or eleven and a half, uh, and covering that, I tell you what, Bob, cover your ears because you're an actual good 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 better. But you get Sometimes. a three team teaser with ten points on this one, and you give me you give me Penn State, or, uh, sorry, Ole Miss plus fourteen and a half, Oregon down to
2: seven and a half, and then
1: the over at fifty six. Take take all my money.
2: I love it. I love it. I am not that guy. I'm not all high and mighty and saying hey. Teasers are bad, parlay let's do it, man. Like that's I love that stuff.
0: Marlar, how many parlays did you hit during the season that were uh at least let's say at least four
1: leg, a four leg parlay. How many of those did you hit? So I stayed away from four leg parlays this year. I stayed away okay. from 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 most irresponsible um betting this year, to be honest. I I, I had a really good year. I like I I think like this, like the the big picks energy. I think I think we were around sixty eight percent on the season, um, and it was it was again a lot of first half stuff. Um, sometimes you know playing it safe with like money line, but like I, I think, I, like if, if I'm taking a parlay, like it's 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 mainly money line. You know what I mean? It's mainly money line um, that I'm throwing in there. There's a couple in here that you can see like like working in the props, like maybe a team to score three straight times. I, I, I love Oregon to do that. Um, so if you're if you're talking about you know like maybe a profit that you can, you can, like you said, bake into a parlay. I would, I would venture to say, I think that's a good bet, but yeah, 14 four leg parlays for me, kind of a thing. Of, I'm 37 now, Connor. You got to grow up at some point. Count Chocula, Peter Pan. I can't be doing that. Peter Pan, like peanut butter, right? That's exactly
0: right. Yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. Look um, I think if you're approaching this from, from the confidence pool standpoint, this game probably will not make or break your confidence pool unless somebody's right. getting really weird and putting only like eight on Oregon or something like that. This is one of those games that will probably be in the mid to high 30s and everybody will will be kind of aligned. There's not a whole lot of bowl game spreads that are minus 17 and a half uh, in favor of a power five team against a group of five team. So don't expect to, to necessarily... Uh, there's not really a whole lot of other ways to, to play that unless you want to go really rogue and you just don't have a lot of confidence in Oregon. But still, that would probably be uh, my suggestion. Guys, any other thoughts on this game before we put a bow on the non-playoff New Year Six Bowl? Uh
2: The only other one I have here is player prop oriented. Again, we don't have the actual numbers in front of us here, but just something to be aware of. Uh, Troy Franklin declared for the draft he will not play in this game. Tez Johnson, however, has hit his yardage total uh, on the over in six of his last seven games. I would expect increased volume for him in this game, so that would probably be a pretty smart play. But Bob, do you like like Bo Nix? He'll probably be around
1: two and a half, I would think. If they go three and a half, it's probably too much for me, but two and a half, I think there's a lot of value there.
2: Yeah, you know, when you're like, you are talking about uh, Brock Bowers, like, if he mm-hmm. were to play, like, how would they give him the send off? Would it right. just be more ceremonial? Would it be like, hey, I'm out here. Thanks for the memories. Or would he be a focal point? I think Bo Nix is absolutely going to be the focal point. Anything that they, anytime, and, and they can quick strike from 50 yards out, and they're probably right. going to, but they get down inside the 10, 5. I think there's going to be a lot of play action. It's going to be the Bo Nix show. Like, yeah. it's, they're not going to have four rushing touchdowns in this game. Um, so I, I think that's a real wise idea.
0: Screen passes look the same in the box score. That's what right. that's what many people have said about bonus stats. Know. Yeah, no. Uh, look, I, I hope we get four good games out of, out of these ones. And if we don't, oh, well, that's why you're listening to this. And hopefully you'll have some sort of gambling interest. As I said before, a reminder, you must be 21 years old. Gamble, please gamble responsibly and within your limits. If you need assistance, please call 1-800-522-4700. Plan for next week for the two playoff games. We're going to be a little bit modified. We're going to be recording that on Wednesday. That'll hit your feed on Thursday. That is the plan. Just because of the Christmas schedule throwing everything off a little bit, you will still have several days to be able to to figure out uh, how you want to bet the college football playoff, and we'll hopefully have more props available to you guys to be able to to kind of get you through uh, some of those games if you are going to be placing wagers. But guys. Uh, that'll do it. We will uh, we'll do this again next week we'll talk about even more meaningful games but uh, yeah, appreciate it and uh, we will be back to provide more gambling assistance very very soon. Enjoy the holiday.